welcome to the first Terrace Talk of 2020. The first time in the new year that we've uh, we've come to you. It's been a bit busy over the festive period with the sheer amount of games and we've not quite found the period uh, to sit down with a couple of Norwich City fans and uh, discuss the goings-on. So uh, that is what we are doing today. My name is Connor Southall, joined by two Norwich City fans, although one is uh, wearing another team's uh, tracksuit top, so I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. But there we go. At least, at least you've come prepared. Uh, to my right, Anna Say. Anna, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, to my left, Ben Ambrose, who has uh, stepped in as an emergency loan replacement, given it's a January window. Uh, he's, uh, as you can see, come prepared and he's made it into uh, the starting eleven after training well this week. So uh, That was class from you. Thank that you. Really thank good, you. I, I, I rehearsed that in the mirror, so <laughs> that's good. Um, right, guys, let's start then, as we always do, with some quick-fire questions. I've had to prepare a completely different set for Ben, given this is his uh, second appearance. It's greedy, greedy. Um, let's start with Anna then. Anna, welcome to the show, first and foremost. Uh, we'll put you through the, the familiar set of questions, just to ease you in. Given Ben's a second time, I've given him a considerable tougher set of questions so let's start with the nice and easy opening question of where do you sit in the ground well that's actually probably a little bit more complicated than most people because I'm a program seller and once I'm, I've done doing that I get a free ticket and it just tends to be wherever they put me it varies normally between the community stand and the south stand where's your favorite place to sit then if, if you had to choose a place to sit in the ground where would you go for I do like the South Stand because I feel like you've got a pretty good view of everything there. You've got, especially if you like mi- in the middle of the South Stand. It's nice, just a nice view. Cool, perfect. Uh, do you go to football with anyone? No, because like I said, um, I'm program seller, so I'm just cash up straight in afterwards. Perfect. You can't complain about that. That that, that certainly sounds good. Uh, do you remember your first game watching Norwich City? I don't remember my. F- first game because I was very young when I started to go but my most the first game you can remember that I can remember would probably be Wolves away in the playoff semi-final perfect and uh, what has been your favorite game as an Norwich City supporter to watch oh that is a tough question there's plenty to choose from I thought you gave him all the tough questions (laughs) I thought I did (laughs) (laughs) I don't know there's so many I mean like I remember from the very classic one from when I was very young, under Nigel Worthington, when we beat Man United 2-0. Or you've got pretty much any game from last season. I mean, I did really like the... I know it's a bit obscure, but it's the Ipswich one where we scored in the very last second, just because of how how kind of low I was to then kind of how high I was within a few seconds. I don't know. Can I just choose, choose every game? Every game that I go to is my favourite. There we go. That's, that's, that's a good enough answer for us. What about your favourite niche player? So this is a player that we might not consider to be a Norwich City legend, but they have a special place in your heart. Hmm. So, yeah, once again, that's a tough question. Every player I can think of, I think, would be the Norwich City legends. I mean, can I pick someone who's a current player? Pick a current player, go for it. Tim Closer has always been my favourite. He's been my favourite since he came to Norwich. I mean, he might not be legend status at the moment, but I think I think he'll get there eventually. I think he's great. He's my favourite. And we, and we know you sell programmes, but are, are there any pre-match rituals that you have? Do you, do you set yourself perhaps a certain target of programmes you have to sell to, for it to be a good day? I just think, like, the whole process of selling programmes and everything that I do, that c- 
kind of feels like a bit of a pre-match ritual now you go through exactly the same things you go in you cash up then you get your ticket you go in the whole thing now for me would feel odd if I didn't do that on the match day so it feels a bit like a ritual for me now interesting right there you go that's your we'll we'll describe it as a grilling but I I think I was quite kind Um, they're they're your questions for today Ben you've got a considerably tougher set given this is your second appearance good I'm glad that's probably the tracksuit top in fairness it's quite warm in here Um, uh, the first one I think is the toughest I I think what we'll do is when people come back on for the second and third appearances we'll make the questions considerably tougher make them a bit more challenging Uh, make sure you don't get too comfortable in your seat so let's start first and foremost then your favourite loan signing which uh, you've got a lot of loan signings to choose from, although uh, given that you were drafted in the emergency loan, we're hoping you're, you're more Darren Huckabee or Jordan Rose than Patrick Roberts or Marcus Edwards. So um, what's your, what's your favourite Norwich City loan signing? Is that of the decade or is that ever? All time. Fraser Forster. Why? He, he was class, wasn't he? He was so, so good. And when he went, I was absolutely livid. I can't actually remember who was in goal. It was John Ruddy the season after, wasn't it? So we replaced him well, but Fraser Forster for me. Most underrated signing? I saw that question, I started quivering. I was, I was terrified. Um, I'd probably have to say David Fox. If this is of all time, because with you. he was so, so good. And I know he gets a lot of praise and stuff, but not enough, if you know what I mean. But David Fox, yeah. 75 glorious appearances. And when, when you consider uh, some of the players he was alongside in midfield, Andrew Sermon, uh, Wes Houlihan as well, who, who, perhaps, who perhaps took the plaudits a bit more for him. But we, we all remember that cross, don't we, for Simeon Jackson, uh, where Norwich clinched. Promotion, uh, nice easy one. Favourite current player? Tim Krull, easy. Nice goalkeeping theme going in your answers, I'm enjoying this. Uh, moment of the decade, given that we have entered a new decade, we, we better, uh, well it depends who you ask if we entered a new decade, but we're in 2020 so I think we can class it as a, as a new decade. Um, what was your moment of the last decade? And uh, Because there, there were a few to choose from, it was quite a, a, a good decade. Uh, there, were, there were plenty of football clubs who probably don't go through what Norwich City went through in the last decade in their entire history. So, um, so there we go, but what, what, what's your moment? It's a tough choice between Wembley and the semi-final at Carrow Road, but I think I have to go for the semi-final because it was so sweet, wasn't it? Just beating Ipswich, given the context of the season, that I think Ipswich fans were giving it large because I think it was 1-1 on aggregate, wasn't it? And they were thinking, oh, here we go. But then uh, Wesley Houlihan sat the keeper down. I think, who scored the second? Was it Redmond? I think it was Redmond with one of the most underrated finishes I've seen for a long time because he's just he's squeezed it through so many bodies. But it's definitely it was switch at home in the uh, the semi final for me. What about your unsung hero of the decade? Uh, I, I must uh, credit Chris Gorham who asked me this question yesterday, and it uh, got me thinking. Uh, my my answer was actually David Fox. So I'll see what you can mix up a bit. Then you're not allowed to go for David Fox. But who is your unsung hero of the decade? <sighs> That's a really tough one. That is. That's a really tough one. I can't think of anyone other than David Fox. Probably someone, maybe Martin Olsen, I feel. Okay. It's a brave call, I think, because I've given him a bit of stick on social media compared to Lewis, but I think I have to go for Martin Olsen because I did enjoy watching him play. He crossed the ball and left back and, and right back as well, such an important position. So I think I have to go for Martin Olsen. Lovely. And uh, finally, I'm going to put oh, you... Hardly, put you uh, no, I think Martin Olsen is, is, a, is an interesting answer. I was surprised more people didn't put, them, put him in their team of the decade, to be honest, when uh, that was all floating around on social media. Finally, I, I know you've got a few of these. Let's have uh, one of your unpopular <laughs> Norwich City opinions because uh, we, like to, we like to have a bit of a debate on the show. And then I'll ask Anna what she thinks of, uh, of, of your opinion as well. I don't know how unpopular this is, but 
it's quite a brave one, which is Todd Cantwell is not ready to leave Norwich City. Absolutely nowhere near ready. Because I've seen his name linked in various papers, uh, the credibility of them papers, you know, you have to question sometimes. Like, Our know, paper is very credible. The, the Sun, we're talking about. Um, you've got to put a little asterisk in, in between the S and the, the N. But yeah, he's not ready for a move away because he is... He's not good enough, essentially, for a big team. I've seen £20 million linked with his name. I think, no, not a chance. Okay, Anna, do you, do you agree with that? Is, is Todd Campwell ready to step up? Uh, he's been linked with pretty much every big club in England. Manchester City, I think Liverpool is, is the link today. Tottenham as well. Um, Manchester United, you could put in that category as well. Is, is he quite ready to step up to that level, do you think? I don't think so either. I mean, I love the guy. I think he's great, but he's still at that point where, yes, he's doing well, but he, he's not consistent enough. You look at somebody like Madison, who kind of flew with us, and he was consistently at a really high level every single time. It actually got to the point where it was like, Madison scores or nobody scores. Yeah. And with Cantwell, I just think that, yes, he's doing well, but he's still got a long way to go. I think I agree. Right, let's talk about the football then. It was a, a hectic festive period. Started off with a, a, a 2-1 defeat to Wolves that, that Norwich City, uh, certainly in the first half at least, probably edged, which will become a regular theme as I read through these fixtures. Uh, a 1-0 defeat at Villa. Again, another missed opportunity. Then we had that 2-2 draw with Spurs. Um, where VAR played a, a significant role, which I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to at some point. And then, of course, we had the 1-1 draw with Crystal Palace on New Year's Day before the FA Cup tie with Preston. Um, is it fair to say an, an overarching theme of those festive period was plenty of good performances for Norwich, but perhaps not enough points on the board? Yeah, it's, it's frustrating because it's almost easier to deal with if... Norwich aren't playing well, but they're just so close to it. And there's been like little moments which are the deciding factors. Like what we can say in the Spurs match, it was VAR that was the deciding factor. And but you look at the the, um, the Wolves match, and we weren't good enough in the second half. And that was a deciding factor. But it's not like we've been playing bad. And that's what's so frustrating about it. We're so close. Yeah, Ben, I, I think Anna's right. I think there have been times with Norwich City times, sides in the Premier League, certainly, where you could perhaps question the application or the work rate. That certainly can't be questioned with this team. Is it just a lack of quality in the decisive periods within games? As, um, and we've referenced the games there, but certainly in that Palace game, I think Kenny McLean hit the bar, didn't he, at 1-0. If that goes in, it's, it's small margins, isn't it? I, I suppose basically is what I'm alluding to, is, is those small margins in games that Norwich City haven't quite grasped. Yeah, it really is. I think it's sort of a, a combination between, I think to say a lack of quality is a bit harsh because, you know, there's a reason we've played so well for the first 45, which is that we've got the quality. But I think at the moment, like specifically, it's sort of a mentality thing because, you know, the Norwich players have got it. We've seen it time and time again. You look at the first half against Wolves, first half against Sheff Sheffield United, first half against Spurs, definitely. Um, and, you know, all the other games, Villa as well. But... I think it's just a mentality thing, to be honest with you, because it's very much, you know, they're young players, inexperienced players, which is worth noting, very, very inexperienced when it comes to the Premier League. I think it's Cruel and Hanley are the most experienced out of a lot of them. But it's just very much a mentality thing for me at the moment. We know Norwich can turn it around, because realistically we've seen Norwich turn, this Norwich City side turn, um, you know, the tide many times. But it's a mentality thing for me, it's not really quality. 
I think it's uh, seven times in the last nine games they've taken the lead and, and failed to uh, to convert them. Um, and, and that says all about this Norwich City side at the moment, doesn't it? We've, we've seen enough, and I've said this uh, numerous times in, in certainly my match day vlogs in, in the review at the end, where I, we've seen enough from this Norwich side that suggests they do have the quality. It's just those moments in games that they just can't quite get to go in their favour. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of it, the kind of what I've been thinking about is that I I don't think that they were prepared for the intensity of the Premier League. I think they initially they thought, okay, the championship, it was all kind of, you know, rough and tumble. All the physicality was down in the championship. I think they were unprepared for the different intensity that the Premier League holds. I mean, you look at the Wolves match and they gave it all in that first half so much so that they came in, out in the second half looking really tired. I think even Hanley admitted that in his post-match interview. And I think to compete in this league, you have to be able to maintain that kind of intensity the whole match. And I think that's one thing that they were probably unprepared for. And you can, I'd say, put that down to a lack of experience in the Premier League, especially from maybe Farker himself. Interesting, yeah. Out of those four games, I mean, if, if we look at it now, Wolves they were one 0 up at half time. Villa was, um, was was a different case, but certainly Spurs and Palace they were also leading at half time. What can they do in this second half of the season to make sure that they are turning those leads into wins? Because at the moment, the situation for them is is precarious. They're sat bottom of the league. They're what seven points adrift. They're in real danger of of being cut away from from the pack, aren't they? I think there's two things. One is take your chances in the first half, which, you know, is such an easy thing to say. You know, there is a sort of an aura of un- being unlucky because realistically you look at McLean hitting the crossbar, I think it's in the second half. Yeah. But, you know, we have been unlucky, but you have got to take them chances. You look at Wolves, Pookie should have had a hat-trick. You give the ball to Pookie in that position, you expect him to score. Um, perhaps a lack of confidence for him, I'm not sure. But the second thing is to play more like we did against Palace. Because watching that Palace game, I was impressed, but for different reasons, which is it was probably Norwich's most impressive display for me because we looked really comfortable off the ball. And you can sort of see that in the fact that I think Palace scored in the 88th minute or saying, which was Max Aaron switched off for a split second and Zaha crept out of his pocket, squared the ball for Wickham, um, for which VAR was actually used right for once, which is, um, which is nice to see. But it's just very much a case of playing more like we did against Palace because for me that's adapting to the Premier League one of the big questions was to adapt to the Premier League how how do you do that and Norwich did that against Palace but take a few more of your chances you look at the Palace game you've got Vrancic at the back post uh, McLean Buendia's free kick nine times out of ten that free kick goes in nine times out of ten McLean hits the ball an inch lower and so on but you know what I mean yeah I I, I do I I think it's been interesting because when they have taken the lead in games, I think what, what they've been punished for is, is not getting that second goal or getting that goal that is capable of, of basically putting them in, in the driving seat or enough um, to, to certainly set out the game. I'm, in Spurs game is a different example because they did score that second goal. They did. And it, and it would have been fascinating had uh, the lines not have been drawn and the rulers uh, not have dictated that Timu Puki was offside by... A matter of millimetres whether that would have been a game that they would have gone on to win um, but I suppose we will never know um, that festive period then ended on, on Saturday I, I suppose we can say that the Christmas trees have gone down we all travelled up to Preston uh, for the FA Cup third round which we were all delighted about but in the end it, it was quite a good 
quite a good game, wasn't it? And, and a game where we saw a Norwich City striker, 18-year-old Adam Eder, not Ida, Eder, uh, take his opportunity and score a hat-trick. I mean, as a supporter, how good is it to see a young player like that take his opportunity? I was so happy about that because I, I love kind of having a look at the academy, you know, seeing who might be the next big prospect, seeing kind of who's been doing what in the matches. And for, and for the last two seasons, I've come constantly been looking at him going, he's the next best thing, he's going to be great. And last season when we saw the academy prospects come through and the graduates, I was like, I'm telling you now, he's going to be the next big graduate, he's going to be the next big thing. And it was frustrating kind of towards the beginning of the season when we were seeing him like fade away a little bit, he thought, or is he going to do it? And I was worried that he might not come through and but he had to wait for his moment and he took his moment against Preston and it was so good and I was so pleased for him and I really think this could be the start of a good future for him. I, I think what was key about his performance is he, unlike when he played against Crawley, he got a big chance early on, didn't he? And he took that chance and that seemed to give him the confidence to actually go on and impose himself in the game a bit more. Absolutely. And it's obviously, it's down to the other players who gave him a chance. It was Steepman who put the great ball through for him. Yeah. That's, the way it's it's got to be as a team. You look at Puki, and most of the time he's not getting those goals unless people are putting that ball at his feet. And I think it really did help him. And I was one thing I was blown away by with that goal was how fast he was, because all of a sudden you just see him break through the two defenders. I was like, he just broke away from them. I was like, for a guy to be as tall as he is, I think he's like six foot three, and like as bulky as he is, and still have that kind of pace and. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. He certainly has the pace I wished I uh, had when I was a footballer. Uh, distinctly lacking uh, that. Uh, ben, uh, I think everyone knows now, common knowledge, that the club were, were looking to, to loan Adam Eder out. They were looking to get him out on loan to, to an EFL club, probably League One level. There probably would have been a lot of clubs that fancied him, perhaps even more so after this weekend. Has he made it impossible for Norwich City, and we'll come on to the transfer window in more depth, but, but just on, on Eder quickly. Have he, has he made it impossible for Norwich City to let him go out on loan this window? I don't think he's made it impossible, but I, it was an interesting one to see um, Ida involved. Not that's what I say Ida then, but um, I sort of looked at that game as him putting himself on the shop window a bit um, to go on loan, obviously. And I think it's just gone really well for him, which is fortunate for him and fortunate for Norwich City because now he's he's a, he's, a, he's an option realistically. Um, whether he'll start against Manchester United, I'm not too sure because. I don't really know the situation on Pukki. Well, we're still, I think, classing Pukki as a bit of a doubt. Uh, still struggling with his hamstring and, and of course, that toe injury that, that he suffered um, uh, as well. So, we'll be in, and I suppose that, that would have been my next question. Again, we'll, we'll preview Manchester United in, in more depth in a little bit. But if the situation is playing a half-fit team with Pukki or a fully-fit Adam Eder at, at Old Trafford, especially what we saw, and, and we're filming this on, on what Wednesday lunchtime, um, the night the night uh, after or the afternoon after uh, Manchester United got beat 3-1 by Manchester United looking at their, their back line what, what they struggled with was, was pace and I think if, if you let Adam Eder um, at them then there's an opportunity that he would get the space in behind to run onto I think a good thing about starting Eder as well would be the fact that he's sort of an unknown he's, just, he's an unknown element to, um, to the Premier League to sort of senior football really so it would be nice to, um, to see him sort of go and have fun because realistically you come to sort of expect this from Norwich now it's, it's very much a sort of why not just give the youth a chance and realistically it's paid off brilliantly for Norwich so for me personally I'd, I'd chuck him in there and I'd have full full faith that he'd do alright for himself because as um, you alluded to earlier he's, he's a finisher and he's quick as well so you know that seems to be the, that seems to be the perfect sort of 
combination for a striker, doesn't it? Certainly has the raw materials. Whether he can convert that into uh, consistency in the Premier League is, is going to be the next task. And of course, if, if he can't, then uh, who knows? Uh, maybe he will move out on loan this window, of course, depending on what Norwich City do in, in terms of their striking options at the club. Uh, reports that Denis Shrebeni might be leaving to Germany as well, which again we'll come on to later. Uh, Anna, let's talk about the FA Cup then in, in a bit more depth. Obviously, Norwich uh, will, will travel again to the northwest and have a really long trip uh, sandwiched in between Spurs and Newcastle to face Burnley at Turf Moor. Um, uh, quite a difficult task, but as, as Daniel Farker said in his pre-match press conference on Friday, the Cup competitions offer them a chance to build some momentum, don't they? Absolutely, and I think... You look at the Preston match and we will have taken a lot of confidence from that because the amount of people who, when we got drawn against Preston, were like, oh, great, Preston will probably lose that one. Alex Neil will want to get one over on us. And we actually looked really comfortable. And, I mean, you look at Stephenman, who's not had the best season. Hernandez, who got his goal, will be really happy from that. And I think they can only take confidence from that. You look at... Either if he'd had another bad game, who knows what might have happened, but he's taken so much confidence from that. And I think, yeah, Burnley, it's not the best draw in the world. He might have wanted something better, but it's a chance for these players to get game time, to impress, to possibly stake their claim for a start. And so, of course, it'll get us momentum and it'll give those players a chance to impress. I'm being a, a bit pessimistic here, so you have to forgive me. But but let's say in a, in a hypothetical world, Norwich City get relegated this season, which is a, a possibility given their situation at the moment. What we saw at Deepdale on Saturday was a side stripped of perhaps the players that many would, or, or perhaps the favourites to leave, I suppose, in, in terms of their young talent. What we saw was a Norwich City side who could function efficiently, or could function efficiently against a Championship side, which... If Norwich City do find themselves in that situation, let's, let's hope that they don't, that will give some people at the club and also supporters as well some confidence that should that happen, that they can compete at that level with, with the elements that they've got. Yeah, if you want to take confidence from it like that, then sure. Um, be my <laughs> maybe, maybe that's me looking at it with a, a, half, no, no, uh, a glass uh, half empty. I, I definitely see what you're saying. An interesting point for me is how comfortable Steepenman looked because... Coming up to the Premier League, he was my favourite player of last season. I mean, obviously, you've got your Pukis and stuff and, and your Buendias, but it was Steeperman for me. And this season, he's just not settled in the Premier League. You know, I think it'd be fair to say that, wouldn't it? And to see him play so well and so comfortably against Preston is sort of an indicator for me that perhaps he is of championship quality. Um, on know Hernandez as well, being a bit more comfortable, uh, comfortable on the ball, looking a bit better. Maybe he suits the championship as well. But I definitely see where you're coming from. But at the same time, I don't really want to look that way no. because my heart, st- my head still says, or my heart still says, sorry that we can stay up. Yeah, let, let's not get drawn into that situation. I, like I said, it was me being a, a, a bit uh, negative, it's, it's a bit tongue in cheek. But given the, the situation they, they find themselves in, no doubt the people at the club will, will have to plan for that outcome. Um, I'm going to ask you both a question now, the same question, in terms of how important could a cup run to Norwich City season be? Because many people, there will be some who see it as a hindrance and um, see it as secondary to their, their Premier League um, competition, I, I suppose, and, and how they, their league form and their league form is the priority. But if they can have a good run in the FA Cup, which we don't really associate with the Norwich City side, then as I said to Anna, that could build some momentum for the, for the Premier League that they can take through. For me, if you're going to be miserable about the FA Cup, then you don't love football properly. Because the FA Cup is such a beautiful thing that has been sort of put down the pegging order um, pecking order sorry 
in terms of its importance. And within England, it's a massive cup. It's a massive trophy. By no means necessary do I think Norwich City are going to go and win it now because I think that'll be a bit extreme. But at the same time, one, it's good for the players because, you know, it's winning football games, isn't it? Two, they're enjoying themselves, so the confidence and the morale at the club will go up. And three, it's just good for us fans, isn't it? Because you want to see your football club win games. And if you're doing that in the league, in the cup, it doesn't really matter to me because you're sort of there, you're enjoying it. But yeah, it'll be nice to see because, you know, the FA Cup, as you said, is not, not a competition we associate with um, success uh, within the Norwich City sphere. But I'd, I'd love to see a cup run. And you've got the argument about do you sort of place it above the league? I don't think you do, but at the same time, treat it with the respect it deserves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. Um, of course, Norwich progressed to, to the fourth round for the first time in, in seven years. Where does the FA Cup rank in terms of your priorities? Well, I think for me, all Cups are important because you get so many players who probably are frustrated with the amount of game time that they get and they can get a chance in the Cup. I mean, you look at the one against Preston, we made eight changes and that means that that's eight players who would, probably wouldn't have got a, a start in a league match and they went out there and they proved that they were good enough you look at somebody like once again like Ida who's put, got himself all the headlines how long would it have taken him to do that if they didn't have the cup I think that as much as it's important for fans it's important for those players who aren't getting the game time as well and I think that it's it's good for everyone. It's good for morale if you get a couple of good cup games under your belt as well. It's good for confidence and it just makes everything feel a bit better as well. Yeah, I, I think I agree, particularly in the situation where, where Norwich are. They certainly can't complain about uh, winning matches at the moment, In, in however that arrives. Right then, let's, uh, let's look ahead to the trip to Old Trafford on Saturday, which... I think usually we'd associate with quite a daunting fixture, but given the situation Manchester United find themselves in, perhaps there will be a few supporters who will go to Old Trafford with a bit of confidence. Is that fair to say, Anna? I think it's one of those matches where you've just got to go and you've just got to go for it. I mean, you've got to go there and be fearless because I think I remember last time when we played Manchester United, we were in a similar situation going, oh, they're not doing too well at the moment and we'll see what happens there. But... Yeah, it's Old Trafford, yeah, it's an intimidating ground, but you've just got to go for it because you never know what might happen. You've seen games this season like against Man City, against Leicester, against those teams where we didn't look like we'd come out with anything, but we did come out with a result. So we've got to go there, see what happens and just leave it all on the pitch. Yeah, so Manchester United on Saturday, Ben, um, obviously not what they once were in terms of that formidable force under, under Sir Alex Ferguson, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the helm at the moment, perhaps under a little bit of pressure given uh, not just the performances, but I think for me it shows just how well you can, you can do as a manager by going in a club and, and talking about the importance of young players, perhaps buying yourself a bit of time. Um, they're a team who predominantly enjoy counter-attacking. Norwich City are a team who like to keep possession. It does feel like Norwich's style of play does lend itself to the way Manchester United want to play. Can you see Daniel Farker perhaps being a bit more pragmatic with the way he sets up his Norwich City side in, uh, in Manchester on Saturday? I don't think too much will change, to be honest with you. I think, if, as I said earlier, you can sort of copy and paste that Palace performance, but you take your chances, which, as I, you know, I said earlier, is so easy to say. But I think if you sort of copy and paste that performance, we can easily beat Man United. You know, famous last words, but... <sighs> They're a team to be beaten, definitely. And I think last time we were there, we won 2-0 in very similar circumstances. 2-1. 2-1, sorry. Was it 2-1? Who scored, the, who scored for Man United? Martial. That is, 
All right, fair enough then. Uh, 2-1. But yeah, Man United, they're definitely there to be beaten. And to be honest with you, three points isn't that important to me because it's Man United. They're still fifth. You know, it's not the end of the world for them, is it? They're still, um, they're not Arsenal in 10th. But, you know, for me, for the players, it's just about go out there and enjoy yourself because why do you play football? To enjoy yourself. And if you can start enjoying yourself again, the confidence comes back to which, as we've seen, is so, so important for Norwich. So hopefully they enjoy themselves, the confidence come, comes back and you look at, I think, who have we got after Man United? Bournemouth at home. Bournemouth at home. So that's a very winnable fixture. So if you can take some confidence from Man United onto Bournemouth, could work out for Norwich. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier on and you said that performances had improved and perhaps over the December as a month we saw a very consistent block of Norwich City performances and fairly good performances as well, certainly within periods of games, perhaps there was a 45 minutes or a 20 minutes here and there that they didn't quite reach the standards, but how important is performance over result this weekend? Because it's not a game that Norwich City will be expected to win, but if they can, as you say, draw some confidence for them or from it, it can ultimately help them in that game against Bournemouth but on the flip side there'll be some people who say we've seen enough good performances now it's time to see some points for me personally it's, it's always been about performance because I listened to Stuart Webber at the beginning of the season and he was very much like it's 38 free hits to which I've sort of maintained that mentality across the season so when you look at this sort of game specifically Old Trafford you know a fairly daunting fixture for such inexperienced players I think it's about performance because you know right now I'd bite your hand off for a point you know, in context, it might not be that important of a point, but you know, it's about the performance and getting the confidence back. Um, I can't bang the confidence drum hard enough or loud enough because you know it's it's such an important factor to this Norwich City team. But yeah, for performance, for me definitely have a result. Anna, uh, Manchester United, daunting. I think that's that's fair to say. But if if Norwich City perform to the way way they have, and, and you referenced it earlier on about how they went to Leicester and got a very good point there, obviously beat Manchester City earlier on in the season. They've they've tended to do well against what we've classed as the better sides. Absolutely, and I will say, unfortunately, I I do disagree with the performance being the most important thing at the moment because, unfortunately, as much as I love this team, we're at the point where we need points because if we say lose and everybody else wins, then you're almost kind of looking like it's going to be really hard to come back from. But if we go there and we get a point or we get a win, suddenly we're like, okay, maybe we can do this, which I do still believe we can. I just think it's it's daunting, but I, hand on heart, truly believe that those players are good enough to go there and get a result, especially with how Man United have been at the moment. It's interesting, you've both said, and again, this is another question for both of you, that you, you both believe Norwich City can stay up. Uh, is that the fan inside of you, or, or is there evidence that you've seen this season to, to suggest that they, they are good enough and they are capable of, of surviving? Well, it's frustrating because, like I said, I truly do believe that these players, and as a team, they are good enough to stay up. I just think that, unfortunately, they came into this season a little bit unprepared, and that's not just the team, that's... Farker as well and so many of them are so inexperienced and I mean they are good enough we've seen them get results and it's just like everybody has said those fine margins but I think get a couple of results get a couple of important points and anything can happen we saw that Watford look dead and gone and look where they are now so if they can do it there's no reason to say we can't what are you basing your optimism on Ben well, you, know, you are you are forever the optimist. No, I was going to say, you know me, but um, the fan inside of me says we can stay up, but my head also says if we go down, it's not the end of the world, because 
so many fans, including myself, you know, express such frustration at this, you know, potential that Norwich City sit on. But at the same time, if we suddenly go down, it's not the end, it's, you know, the potential's not gone. Yeah, you might lose a Pookie, you might lose a Buendia, you might lose a, um, a Max Aaron's, a Ben Godfrey as well. But Todd Cantwell. A Todd Cantwell. I don't, see, I, I don't think Jamal Lewis would leave, but that's a whole different, um, that's a whole different point. But at the same time, the people who brought these players in are still here. Stuart Webber, Kieran Scott, um, all the other guys behind the scenes, they're the only two names I know. But um, it's not the end of the world. So if we go down, you should have full faith that we can bring these players in again. Because it wasn't a fluke. These are smart people. They know what they're doing. Um, they've been doing it for, what, the last three years here at Norwich, Norwich City. Obviously, you've got the bad eggs that have come in. But, you know, nothing's perfect. And given the context of Norwich City as a club, the history we've had with transfers, you look at Stephen Naismith's. Norwich are doing such a good job at the moment. But yeah, for me, we can stay up because, you know, we've seen Norwich can play really, really good stuff. And what you said earlier, we don't get brushed aside by the big teams. But at the same time, seven points adrift. It's looking a bit bleak at the moment. But just go for it. Enjoy your football. I think we'll, we'll describe those as, as two rallying cries. I'll, I'll provide a bit of balance and uh, these two won't like me for saying it, but no side um, with 14 points on the board at this stage in the Premier League has ever survived. So it would take um, Norwich to break some records, but it can be done and we have seen it in the Premier League before. I'm, I'm sorry for chucking that in. Right, let's move on to the transfer window then. It's, it's the reason we're, we're in this building and, and not gone out today in case there's anything breaks that I need to uh, go and immediately run off to to report on but uh, hopefully that's <laughs> that's not the case um, what do both of you guys want from Norwich City in the transfer window we've seen a, perhaps a, a lot more action in terms of outgoing so far players being recalled on from, from loan uh, Patrick Roberts I suppose is, is probably the most noticeable who of course got his loan cut short and then joined Middlesbrough what are you perhaps expecting and hoping from Norwich City in this transfer window well I'm hoping that because they do, they have got a few people out. They've like cut a couple of loans short, like Patrick Roberts. That that does leave room to bring a couple of people in. I'm not saying like go out and spend all the money in the world. I do think there are a couple of um, places in the team that do need a bit of strengthening. I mean, we don't want to go through that whole centre back issue again because that was awful. And I mean, if Hanley or Zimmerman get injured, you're looking at probably going through that again and I'll see we're at a point where I didn't think we'd get to it where we're looking a little thin on strikers so if they're going to get anybody in I think a centre-back and a striker would be the best options and I don't mind whether that's a loan or buying somebody on the cheap but I just think they've got to get somebody in. What are your hopes Ben for the transfer window? Where do you hope Norwich City are in terms of their squad come February the 1st? I don't I don't expect many changes because we were speaking about this the other day, weren't we? And we sit rock bottom of the Premier League, seven points adrift. So attracting players that are going to keep you up is going to be almost an impossible task. Um, given the resources of Norwich City as well, we know that Norwich aren't the richest club in England. But it, I'm not really expecting too much. But I want to make a bit of a wider point, which is I'm filled with such pride to support Norwich at the moment because you look at Stuart Webber um, and his recruitment team you look at players coming back from loans who've been sent out um, uh, and examples Lou Thompson Rocky Bashiri. there you go players like that who aren't getting the game time away from Norwich City but the attention is being paid to them to call them back so for me I look at that and I think I'm more interested in that than who Norwich is going to sign because it's sort of a sign of so much attention to details being paid which is so important because you know we're in the Premier League, yeah, but we're still building as a club. Um, I'm 
pretty sure it'd be fair to say that we're well ahead of the curve in our plan. But um, yeah, for me, I, I, I focus more on that rather than the actual starting eleven. Uh, the first team because I don't think Norwich are going to really bring anyone in I don't think it will go down too well but at the same time what can you expect for a team that's resources are very restricted uh, a team that sits seven points adrift but yeah I, I don't expect too much and I'm not too fussed either yeah, I think we've heard Stuart Webber say before that this is notoriously a more difficult window to navigate in because of the, the prices and obviously there'll be Premier League teams who won't want Norwich City to be strengthened and, and strengthen a direct rival because of that. So I, I do wonder whether the loan market for Norwich City will, will be the market that perhaps they get most joy out of given, uh, as you said, their predicament in the league and perhaps how attractive an, an entity they are at the moment uh, for a prospective signing because if you find yourself back in the championship in six months, which is a very real possibility, then uh, who knows? For some players, that perhaps wouldn't be as, as attractive as perhaps uh, getting a Premier League move. Let's move on there. You mentioned it in terms of Norwich being perhaps a little bit thin on the ground uh, on strikers. The latest report is that as, as we sit here now, of course, things develop so quickly. So by the time this is, this is out and, and released, the situation may have changed. But if reports are to be believed that Dennis Schrebeni is on his way to Germany, as you say, that doesn't leave Norwich a bit thin on the ground in terms of strikers. Does that, for you, mean keeping Adam Eder around and keeping him in the building? Or does it actually mean Norwich dipping their toe in the water and perhaps bringing in a, another option in that area of the pitch? I think it's a bit of both, really. I think you've got to keep Eder around because he's just he's proven himself to be too good to be let go at the moment. But I also think you've got to have somebody there just in case because what if Eder goes in against Man United and he doesn't look great and Pookie's still not fit? I mean, then you're looking around kind of like, what do you do now? I mean, I know you said that, obviously, it's going to be hard to attract people, but I think if we do the same thing that we've done for quite a while now and we kind of spread our wings a bit further and go looking for foreign players, I think for a lot of them, whether we're bottom or not, the Premier League is going to be an attractive prospect anyway. And I think it will be, for them, a chance to get into the place where a lot of players want to get. So I think... We should do both there, really. An interesting dynamic uh, with this transfer window as well. Of course, we've seen Philip Heiser go out on loan to FC Nuremberg in the um, second Bundesliga, the, the equivalent of the championship, so to speak. Um, and, of course, Dennis Schrebeni, uh, if he does complete his move to Paderborn, which uh, I think we expect, then that would essentially free up two uh, non-homegrown players for Norwich City to uh, add to their registration, which would basically free up... Um, to potential signings for, for foreign uh, recruits. And, of course, with, with Patrick Roberts' loan ending, that frees up a, a loan space as well. Uh, maximum, of course, is, is, of 17 registered foreign players. Uh, Norwich did have the full 17, but with Shrebeni and Heiser leaving, that would take it to 15. So are you expecting perhaps Norwich, as, as Anna said, to, to look in those foreign markets again, given, as, as you said earlier, where they are in terms of finances? I think they're always looking at their markets, aren't they? Whether... I'm not sure on the type of transfer, whether it's a sort of one for the future. You look at your Buendias, who were signed six months before they joined. Uh, Mario Vrancic, arguably, because he was signed, uh, what was it? I think it's from the Bundesliga, he just got relegated. Yeah. But he took a long time to adapt to English football, which a few of these signings did. So I think to say that Norwich would look in these markets for an answer now, I think that's a hell of a stretch. I don't think that's you know the, the, the realistic sort of circumstance. But at the same time, I just... I don't really see Norwich signing anyone. Uh, well, not anyone for the first team because resources, league position, I sort of sit firmly on that. But um, Would you be happy with that? 
yeah, I'll be fine with it because I trust this club. And also, I suppose, I suppose that depends on my... Um, well, that relies on my outlook, which is relegation is not the end of the world. Because obviously you want to stay in the Premier League. The whole point of this revolution at Norwich is to be in the Premier League, which is where we are. But you've got to be there in the right circumstance. You've got to be there in the right sort of condition, so to speak. But yeah, for me, I'm, I'm satisfied either way. And we have seen Norwich in the past and, and they've been shackled because of it. And, and you mentioned that transfer window back in, uh, what was it, 2017, 16, 17? Well, the, the Naismith window. Uh, 15, Tim, Tim Closer joined in as well. Uh, yeah, 16. And, uh, and Patrick Bamford on loan, of course. <laughs> I forgot to mention him in our, in our bad loans earlier. Uh, he's, he's certainly one we could, we could file in that category. The money is interesting, isn't it? Because it feels like when you have it, and, and Aston Villa are a fantastic example of this, it sets expectation. Um, but for some supporters, and, and of course we, we hear it perhaps every window, there'll be a cry of a lack of ambition. How, how, do, you, how do you see that? The lack of ambition is, oh, annoys me so much because it's just not, though, is it? Because realistically, you look at Norwich City before Stuart Webber, it was a fairly toxic club. Um, I think he said, um, Stuart Webber said in an interview with you, he said about how there were so many of these, these personalities, these big personalities, who didn't really want to play for Norwich. You look at players like Johnny House, and he's a prime example um, from how I've viewed the club anyway. So the whole sort of turnaround in, what, three years has been immense. And we're not even, like, we're, we've barely started. So to then call, I don't, I don't think anyone's heads are being called for, but to then call for a lack of ambition, I think it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's also really disrespectful to this football club because they're, they're doing their best. You look at Delia doing the best recruiting people like Weber, Kieran Scott, etc., to sort of turn this around to then call for a lack of ambition because they won't splash millions in the transfer market, millions they don't have, is, um, is, is absurd. But also what sort of frustrates me is this expectation that someone's going to come in with, or a billionaire's going to come in and sort of give Norwich free reign to spend whatever they want, which, one, that won't happen, and two, the, the, the bad cases like QPR, they outweigh the, um, the better examples like Bournemouth, like, significantly. So realistically, this sort of, Money is—it's not money doesn't grow on trees, although you know. But um, that—that's the way some Norwich City fans view it. Which re- really frustrates me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really expect much. But that's no disrespect to the club at all. How do you see it now? Will, will you be frustrated if Norwich don't sign anyone this window? I will be a little bit frustrated. I'm not saying obviously go out and spend millions because that's not going to happen. I think anybody, any fan of Norwich knows that that's not going to happen. But. I just I don't want to see them go through that whole issue again where they were like uh, where they were at a point where they were being forced to put Teddy as centre back because it was just it was frustrating to watch and I know it was frustrating for the players as well to to just have a little bit of backup I'm not saying like somebody who's going to go straight into the first team and like do really well but to have somebody there who you know you are able to bring in if worse comes to worse, I think that's the most important thing. And we just didn't have that at that point. And that's what got... Obviously, nobody can could have imagined the amount of injuries we'd have, but it happened. And now we've got to kind of think, if that happens again, what do we have? And I think that's why they need to have just a little bit of backup. Interesting, right. I think that's the transfer window ticked off, um, which is the end of my list. We'll, we'll, f- we'll finish by getting, as we always do, uh, a nice prediction for that trip to Old Trafford on Saturday. Uh, Anna, let's start with you. How optimistic are you feeling? What, how do you see this game going? What's the score going to be? Job, Liz. 
You know me, I'm always optimistic, I feel. I've got two optimists. <laughs> I go into every match going, oh, yeah, it'll be fine, we'll win that one. If we could play against Barcelona, I'll be like, yeah, that's easy. Ben's a fan of Barcelona. <laughs> but um, you know what? Genuinely, I'm going for a scrappy 1-0 for Norwich. I think we'd all take that at the moment. Ben, what about you? How, how are you seeing this? Take what, Norwich? Oh, I like that. Phil Jones brace. Like that. I, I, I think I'm going to go for a, a similar repeat to what we saw at Carrow. I'll go for a 3-1 defeat. But, um, but valiant, I think. We'll, we'll describe it. A good performance. Anna, Ben, thank you very much for joining me. It was a slightly longer episode for you to make up for uh, the lack of uh, terrace talks over the festive period. Of course, very busy for everyone involved in, in terms of uh, trying to fit in everything that we need to fit in with, with festivities, with football. Um, and uh, yeah, let, let's see what, what Manchester United hopes because as, as the guy said, this is essentially a free hit for them and it, it'll be interesting to see whether they can back up a performance with a result because ultimately that is the next task. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, thank you very much for watching. Let us know what you think uh, Norwich City will do in this transfer window. What do you hope Norwich City will do in this transfer window? The comments are, uh, are down below. Leave a like as well if you like this video and remember to subscribe to the Pinkin YouTube channel as well. Uh, we should have uh, Corey coming on next week, of course, who, who many of you will be familiar with as, as being the, the transfer or rumour finder. Um, so that will be interesting next week to, to get his thoughts on the transfer window. Uh, of course, uh, it's, it could be a long month in terms of the amount of players that Norwich City get linked with. Thank you very much for watching and we'll see you on the other side of Old Trafford.